Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to witness the fusion between gospel word consummation and poetry. We, the poets, do solemnly promise to intentionally arouse your imagination, inspiration, and action. We, the poets, are willing to lay down our triumph and burdens and joy and anger, our artistry and befuddlement on paper, raw and uncut. We, the poets, surrender our pens to the Holy Spirit so that he may write, promising to move ourselves out of the way, foregoing the oohs and ahs for the audience, if this means a soul is procured for the kingdom. We, the poets, encased behind screens, laptops, phones, and earbuds, stand before you vulnerable as willing conduits, sharing how we got over, how it is to overcome, and sometimes how God is over us. We, the poets, take you, the listener, to be our family in Christ, to be held, to be held accountable from this day forward, for better or for worse, to pray in sickness and rejoice in health. According to God's instructions, we, the poets, therefore promise to be woke, informed, thorough, and studied, both now and forever. Amen. What the deal? This is Luck, a.k.a. Good Luck, and you are listening to Ink and Pad Podcast, Poetry for the People, straight like that. I am Kaya Tana, your host for this episode. Today I want to talk about art activism in poetry. Sometimes, you know, when things happen, protests aren't always available or conducive to how you want to express yourself, how you want to process what is happening. So a lot of times artists will show it through, you know, if they're a painter, they will paint. If they are a face and body painter, you know, I painted something on my face when or a handful of sisters in Africa went missing and nobody knew anything, well, according to media, I expressed my frustration there because, A, I couldn't just fly and go to Africa looking for nobody. B, I don't necessarily trust a lot of the protests that happen out here, you know, in the States because they could, especially with this new generation of people, they always looking for a reason to turn up. I don't have time to be running and hollering because somebody decided to loot or just cause a ruckus just cause just to get it cracking you know what I mean so a lot of times more often than not since my frontline days I was in the march for Trayvon Martin I was in the march or for the Michael Browns or you know back back in the day day Latasha Harlan uh Rodney King you know, just, you know, Philando Castile, I could go through a myriad of names, Sandra Bland, all the people. And these names typically pop up in poetry on spoken word stages across America. For a long period of time, I was on the front lines, either doing uh, behind the scenes work as far as getting the word out, making phone calls, all the things, or for Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown. I was literally on the front lines in the protests, marching for those. Um, I was slow. <laughs> I brought up the rear, but, you know, I was out there. So, you know, protests grew into something that's like, this isn't protest. This is a, a reason to turn up. You know what I mean? So I morphed my frustration into art activism. I could possibly publish a book and I probably will of all the poems that I have written 
in regards to situations that were going on in the community, in the in the diaspora at large. So I just wanted to share a few poems with you guys just to give you an idea of what that might look like and how you too can use your ink and pad to voice frustration at things going on if you choose not to participate in marches, in protests, in, you know, physical railing against the system is literally other ways you can do it. So this piece is called Post Verdict. This was written somewhere between Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown. And I remember being just so at dis-ease about going outside, you know, because every time we turned around, you know, somebody was getting killed, being pulled over, being killed, just all the things. Um, disclaimer, by the way, if any of these things are triggering to you, you know, mentioning the word killings or, you know, Black Lives Matter, or anything like that, if any of that is triggering to you, I would strongly suggest you not listen to this episode or not have children in the room. There is talk of violence. There is talk of you know, racial issues and whatnot. So disclaimer. Okay. All right. So this piece is called Post Verdict. And the epigraph for this poem is there shall no evil befall me. Neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. Psalms 91.10. If you're not familiar with the epigraph, it is a short quotation or saying at the beginning of a book or chapter or poem that's intended to suggest the theme. Or to like give you a broad range of what's being spoken of. Teetering on the edge of my porch, the safe spot. Ground ali ali oxen free. Concrete laid out amongst the city. Calling me. Skull and crossbones flashing on street corners. I tremble and shake. Scared inwardly knowing the minute I step down. It's survival of the fittest. I just want a cold drink. It's crazy out there. No desire to become this week's subject of protest, march, and sit-ins. Do or die. Decisions. Decisions. That's that piece. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's just getting a little crazy out there. And sometimes one does not know how to process. You know, you put it in a poem. So I encourage you, if something is happening in your city, if something is happening, you know, in your immediate environment, or you hear about something on the news that you just do not know how to verbalize it or how to handle it, write a poem. So this next piece is called Upright. I do not remember exactly when I wrote this, but I did include it in my final manuscript for grad school. And the epigraph for this one is, you cannot carry out fundamental change without a certain amount of madness. Thomas Sankara. The revolution was filmed, y'all. The revolution was finally filmed, y'all. A French press nation snatched back self-sustaining necessaries, not just feeding tyrannized minds, but bodies void of fight. The revolution was filmed, y'all. Native women no longer bear footprints scorched into their vaginas, understood equals both educated and armed. Lives reconstructed and stabilized in one week. The revolution was filmed, y'all. Blazes shine dimmed. Beneficiary of the maltreated. He needed no grass to be a snake. 
Low-key opportunists, this part of the revolution needed no film. Make it ourselves, do it for ourselves. Artist colonies arise, families self-sufficient. What is ours is ours. If we have learned nothing else, your revolution is dead. Set ablaze by blaze, self-appointed foreign greatness, crumbled humility, blown away, swirling like red dust by Kino Faso roads, country reverted, vanilla dignitaries, high five to the back of a murderous successor, spilled blood wiped into home woven tapestry, magnified target, stand your place boy, the revolution, the revolution, the revolution had no commercials, no messages when we were brought back, no highlights on the 11 o'clock news, but the revolution was filmed y'all, that's that piece. This next piece was written after the whole Christopher Darner situation. Just that whole thing from beginning to end from, you know, when he went on the run and was all up and down California coast to the blaze in the cabin. I don't know what to feel about how it ended, but that was a mess. I actually read the manifesto online that he posted. Baby, listen, I'm going to reserve my own comments for that. This poem is kind of self-explanatory. Not all of my poems have an epigraph, but this one did too. <laughs> it's called God Complex. No discipline system is perfect. Not mine, not the court system. Chief Beck, LAPD. The exposed have become prey. For theft of my name, your life is the penance. There is no room for negotiation. Peeled of my dignity, my reputation, shot. Demonized, switch flipped. This too will not pass. My day of reckoning is when I am done. I am now God. Shun me for honesty. Shiver now in fear. That crick in the night floor, who could it be? The leaves extra rustle seconds after the wind has ceased. Keep guessing. There's an ice box where my heart once beat. I am prepped, heaven or hell. It's no different than now. This here chicken planned to do more than just roost. Manifesto. That piece came about because after reading the manifesto, I was very intrigued, for lack of a better term, as to how he came to the decisions to do what he did. So after reading you know, what he had posted, this was my summary of what had occurred. So and just to give you some yeah. context in God regards complex. to Christopher Dorner's situation, like the time frame, his situation started happening in February. I think it was February 3rd of 2013 and it culminated in the cabin he held up in being torched and flamed February 12th of 2013. Almost like a two-week time span they were looking for this man and like he was killing people you know in revenge that's the piece i wrote in regards to that i was just tired of hearing about stuff getting shot up i wrote this piece after the buffalo new york shooting when elderly people were killed at a grocery store just trying to get groceries and i want to say that it was on the heels of yet another shooting i remember this one just got on my last nerve and on may 14th and I wrote this on May 25th of 22. And I remember there was a school shooting before this. And by this time, I was fed up. I was so fed up. So, And to me, it felt like a copycat thing. So I called it monkey see, monkey do. And I just started writing as soon as I heard that happen because it really bothered me that an elderly woman and elderly people were killed in that shooting. Guns purchased like candy so crayons could be reimagined in shades of blood. 
Laughter stuck in vapor and squeals became screams because coping was a metaphysical act too simple to practice. Mama could not replace her groceries because of road trips taken in fear of being replaced and the word said to come as you are, he came as he felt. Now prayers for their souls to keep became groans for the souls he took. Voting has become a farcical slap in the face of those who died and lost eyes and limbs and legislation lay dormant under flaccid jerk-off competitions of political prowess and quiet as kept. They might as well have pulled the triggers themselves. For them, it is just natural selection at work, solidifying their foundation in this plasma-soaked soil. I have a lot of social justice and political poems. Those are mainly going for print when I finish wrapping this book up. But yeah, just another example, you know, how you can channel your anger, your rage into poetry. And the last piece I'm going to share. Okay, so this this was a small piece I started because of the work that I do. I work with men and women coming out of jail. And sometimes the recidivism of my clients is mind-numbing at times. Because sometimes they will wait right before they're off probation. And boom, they do something to go right back to jail. And I get it because sometimes it's scary. You know, you've had the government taking care of you for oh so long. And then you got to get out there and stand on your own two feet and do it yourself. But one particular case, you know, he got in trouble and went back to jail. And it just bothered me so much. I wrote this piece. It's untitled. And it's really short. Freedom in mind tends to lend more glorious than escaping handcuffs. Imprisoned behind steel bars with lies for shackles, this chokehold is stronger than dental floss holding a trained elephant. If I can help just one person at a time in my little corner of the earth, then to God be the glory. So, y'all, this is my art activism episode. Thank you for hanging in there and toiling with me. I know this episode was a dark episode. You know, poem can touch all facets of emotion so some poems that you can read that are poems of protest resistance and empowerment one by langston hughes called i look at the world one by maya angelou called cage bird a poem by denise levertal making peace a poem by muriel rookeiser it's called Poem, I Lived in the First Century of World Wars. A poem by Gwendolyn Brooks called Boy Breaking Glass. A poem by Blas Manuel de Luna, Bent to the Earth. A poem by Allen Ginsberg called America. And a poem by Claude McKay called America. And there are plenty, plenty other social justice poems out there, you know, that rail against the system, that do all the things, you know, and what kind of times are these by Adrian Rich, what he thought by Heather, how do you say her name, Machuk? Forgive me if I said it wrong. We Are Not Responsible by Harriet Mullins. Urban Affection by Emmanuel Xavier. There's just so many poems out there that you can read that to give you an idea. And these pieces were found on poetryfoundation.org. Okay, but this is just a handful of social justice poems that you can look up and read just to give you inspiration to write your own piece because there's plenty happening. It is plenty happening out here to that, that you can address it. So again, thank you so much for hanging with me and rolling with me through this topic. And until next time, grab your ink, grab your pad and write on. Later.